the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Some of you might know that I have a background in um, having taken several different kinds of dance. I, was, I think I was about nine years old when I begged and pleaded my mother to let me take um, ballroom dance, but they don't offer that for nine-year-olds in Pennsylvania, where I grew up. Um, so I ended up learning how to do tap and jazz, and then I followed up with ballet. So I was not one of those ballerinas that had taken ballet from the age of three. I was a late latecomer, late in the game, and that was never really my strong suit because I always enjoyed the, the, the show aspect of tap. I loved, like, the competitive river dance tap kind of thing. And so ballet, I was never very good at, but you would think that all those years of ballet, I did take at least five, maybe more like, probably more like eight years of ballet, you would think that that would make me less of a klutz than I am. But I tend to find myself being breathtakingly clumsy at times. And so when I moved into my current home, which my home here in Birmingham is a condo, it's very modern and really snazzy, and it has concrete floors, which are really fancy. They're polished concrete, and they're gorgeous. Um, But I'm always afraid I'm going to drop my iPad, drop a phone, drop something, and break it to pieces. So everything has a case on it, or it should, if it doesn't right now. Um, but I also have, so I have the stone, on the concrete on the floor, and then I have these cab- these counters to my, on top of my cabinets that are stone. I don't know what kind they are, but um, everything clinks on them. And so, of course, the inevitable happened. I was um, hurriedly... Uh, uh, unloading the dishwasher one day, and I picked up this heavy stone um, tea rest thing, and I was putting it into the cabinet, and I already, already put out these glasses. Now, the story behind the glasses is that they were the, they're these beautiful little juice glasses with stars on them that my great-grandparents owned, and, you know, they're not worth anything, but they mean something to me, so of course I had set out the glasses. And then this tea rest was something that a good friend of mine from Massachusetts had just, one day she just showed up with this little thing and she said, here, this is for you. She knew I drank drank tea and she just said, here, take this, this is for you. So they were both items of meaning and import. And of course, I'm going to put the heavy tea rest into the cabinet and it flips somehow from my hand, smashes into the glass, then goes, it's a one-two punch to the glass, and then the stone countertop, and of course, both things are broken. They are broken glass everywhere, broken stone, or ceramic, I guess is what it is, and I just had that horrible sinking moment, and I, I would characterize that moment as being the moment when you wish you could turn back the clock. Just like 15 seconds. You know, whenever you've, have you ever injured yourself and you thought, oh, I wish I hadn't taken that unwise step off the curb, or I wish, why did I go skiing that day, or what, could I just turn back the clock a little bit? It's broken. It is the moment where you can't take it back. And we see it happen not just with broken bones and with broken dishes, but we see it happen in our lives, in our relationships. That moment where you say the thing that hurts the person you love and you cannot take it back. You can apologize, but you've already said it. You cannot take it back. There's that moment in a career where um, you might have made a fatal flaw, your fatal mistake, and suddenly people are going to look at you in a different way at your job and you just wish, wow, I wish I could, I wish I could take that back. 
It might not always be a sinful thing, but very often it is a sinful thing. And sin has this aspect of brokenness about it. Um, there's this something that has been torn apart and cannot be repaired. And when we do things like this, we want to hide, just like Adam and Eve. Remember in the garden after they ate from the tree that God told them not to eat, they went and hid. God went and walked in the garden and said, where are you? And they had to come out. They were shrinking from him. They were trying to hide um, themselves out of shame for what they'd done. Much like a child who's broken a beloved object of their parents and then hides you know, the shattered pieces under something or the parent opens the cabinet and sees something broken that they hadn't expected to see. Well, we are like children hiding a broken object. Um, And what we see in the prophet Jeremiah in our lesson for today is that Jeremiah is speaking to a people who have broken the covenant of God. He says, he talks about the covenant and it's the Lord speaking through, through him. My covenant, the covenant I made with you when you came out from Sinai, my covenant which you broke, even though I was like a husband to you. And by saying that, the Lord means, I loved you so tenderly. I cared for you. I gave you everything you needed. I had compassion on you. And they persisted in rebellion. There's this moment, too, when Moses comes down. He's talking about the the covenant at Sinai. There's this great moment in Exodus where Moses comes down from the mountain, and he's just been given the law, and he has to... There they are, sinning right then. They've broken the law already before they even knew what it was, and they broke it. And Moses breaks the tablets of stone in frustration, in anger at their disobedience and their rebellion. Well, there's a lot of brokenness. And so Jeremiah is talking about this broken covenant that persisted all throughout Israel's history. And I just have to pause and say what I always say, that we were we, you know, Americans, the people of Israel, the nation of Israel, we too would have broken the covenant. shattered in pieces because it's not an ethnic issue it's a question of human nature it is human nature to sin and so jeremiah is here and it's this moment of despair the moment of deepest despair over what they've done they've broken the covenant and now they're experiencing consequences god finally had to remove them and enact the covenant maledictions the curses that are at the end of deuteronomy he prophesied moses prophesied that they would be removed from the promised land if they didn't obey the covenant and there it is in jeremiah's day it has happened the people of israel had gone into exile and so he's preaching right at this moment when you're in exile when they're despairing of ever returning into the promised land ever returning back into god's favor and it's at that moment that we have the passage that we read today. Um, There is, in that moment of deepest and darkest despair, Jeremiah preaches hope. And he preaches about a new covenant that God will bring about with his people. And it will be a different kind of covenant. It will be a covenant that will be written on their hearts instead of on tablets of stone. They will obey it from within. There will be this inner desire and inner motivation to obey it. And what is that covenant except the covenant that Paul calls in 2 Corinthians chapter 3? He calls it the new covenant of the Spirit. And this is indeed the covenant that has been enacted with all those who believe in Jesus. The covenant that is brought about through um, Jesus' own death. Um, Jeremiah says, he says when he describes this covenant, he says that um, the covenant will come about 
because of the forgiveness of sins, that they will be forgiven their sins and that that will be part of the um, beginning of the new covenant. And as we see in the, um, the book to the Hebrews, the letter to the Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 15, he says that a new covenant brought about with forgiveness of sins is enacted with blood. It is blood that atones for sin. Shed blood atones for sin. And we see there that Jesus, um, humble, loving, God himself, he deigns to humble himself and be born as a um, mere flesh, breakable flesh, a human being, a little baby in Bethlehem. And then he goes so low as to be uh, crucified on a cross. And there his body is broken. And his body is broken because of the broken covenant. And yet it is through the forgiveness of sins that we have because of Jesus' broken body that there is this brand new shiny covenant. And this brand new shiny covenant is not new like the way I repaired the, um, the stone. The glass was uh, impossible. I couldn't have done anything with broken glass. But I took that little stone thing and I super glued it back together and that was very satisfying. But I can still see the lines where it was. The new covenant that God gives us is brand shiny new. Um, we are broken and um, we often re-break and sin again and yet we are given this brand new shiny relationship with God. This brand new shiny covenant. Almost like a newly blown glass. Um, and it it's a beautiful thing, a beautiful new covenant brought about through Jesus' own death. And so in a moment, when we come to Holy Communion and we share from this table together, I'll say again those words that Jesus said the night before his death. He talks about the covenant, the new covenant made with each one of us and with us together through his own body broken. And we remember that new covenant and we celebrate it and rejoice in it together when we break bread together. And so um, whatever it is that might have, um, whatever those moments are in our lives, those broken moments, the moment when we feel as though we can't regain what we once had, uh, when it's um, our life or something about our life is lying in pieces in front of us, let us remember that God makes all things new through his son, Jesus Christ. And for that, we can say thanks be to God.